It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today it is, of course, Mailbag Wednesday. We take your questions. But before we get there, we are going to update you on the big A.J. Green news, which is unfortunate. So we got some practice updates for you, and then we'll get into your questions just after that. A.J. Green didn't practice today, and while the rest of the team is getting healthy, he, along with Alex Redmond and Drake Kirkpatrick, all didn't practice. And the only surprise out of those guys is A.J. Green, who, even before practice today, Zach Taylor said they were expecting him to play this week. He got in some practices last week. There was no reason for anyone to believe that he would miss practice this week, but it sounds like it's reported that he had some swelling after Monday's walkthrough didn't feel right. He didn't even go on to the rehab field today. He was in the training room, according to Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com. And the swelling is the big part because as he's rehabbed, as he's gotten closer, I think that's one of the signs they look for. And that's one of the things A.J. Green has said that once it starts to swell up, that's when his mobility gets hampered. And that's not something you want to carry into Sunday if it's going to continue through the next two practices. So we're hoping this isn't a setback. It feels like a setback. At the same time, there's eight games remaining on this schedule. A.J. Green, his final eight games under contract with the Bengals. Could this be a tactic by him to stay healthy? Is this something that he's being mindful of? Or is this a ploy to make sure he gets that new contract and be healthy to get that? I think compared to years past, he is taking a more cautious approach coming back from this injury because the last couple he's had, he's tried to come back and play as soon as he could. And last year especially, that bit him in the ass right away. He aggravated a turf toe injury and then missed the rest of the season. This year, I think he wants to make sure that he's 100% before he comes back. But some of our listeners tweeted us and said things to the extent of, oh, he's pulling a Cordy Glenn. And I don't think that A.J. Green has any similar characteristics to Glenn in that regard. I think that this is truly a he wants to make sure he's 100% healthy. And if there's really swelling, we're three months out from this injury now. And sprained ankles can certainly linger, especially high ankle sprains. This is unusual, but not unheard of. Right. And that's the part that's that's a little bit concerning because it is three months and you would hope that they were already taking the extra step or the extra precaution and getting him to week 10 before he plays. But now we're at this point, it seems that he isn't at 100%. And and not a lot of players that have played this year to this point are at 100%. But if he's not, 
I'm kind of in Green's camp. I don't think he should step on that field until he fully feels confident in that ankle. It's not worth it for him to get injured again. That would really hurt his value. It would really hurt the Bengals' uh, decision-making when it comes to feeling confident in extending him this offseason. I think there's just too much at risk here for an 0-8 team to get their star receiver out there. Especially if they see him as part of the future. And this team clearly sees this 30-year-old core, 30-year-old and older core as part of their future, their immediate future. There must be some sort of vision in the front office or perhaps delusion, depending on your glass half full, glass half empty perspective on the world, that this team is close and that they can turn it around quickly. And AJ Green would be part of that. So I absolutely agree with you. Getting him healthy will help them evaluate the contract. And I imagine that's a real quagmire for this front office and for Green's camp right now, just trying to figure out what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to advance these contract talks if we can't even get them on the field to see how he looks this year? Yeah, because if both sides want an extension, they both want a deal, neither want to do it while the while A.J. Green is hurt. Why would the Bengals want to sign him after uh, three injuries in the last four years that have knocked him out for a significant amount of time? And then the, the Green camp was probably looking at this like, well, we've been injured. It'd be stupid to sign a deal now. We should get healthy, play the best we can, even if that's for six weeks. And if he goes out there and just balls for those six weeks, he will prove that, hey, I deserve to be paid like a, a big-time receiver because he still is. Uh, if he re- if this lingers and he can't get on the field at all, which is worst-case scenario, or it affects him for the final half of the season, that doesn't help his case either when it comes to time to negotiate and ask for that big paycheck that – Really, he's in line and is in position to get because the Bengals didn't offer or didn't listen to trade offers at the deadline. It's a continuing story. It's been haunting A.J. Green and the Bengals all year. But some good news on the injury front. Darquez Denard, full go in practice. We should expect to see him back this week. They'll still be missing Drake Kirkpatrick, it sounds like. But a contingent of Denard, Jackson, Webb still sounds like a step in the right direction. Cordy Glenn, full go at practice today. Getting him back at left tackle would obviously be huge. We'll have to see if he's going to be a starter for this team. See if he has earned his way out of whatever doghouse got him fined $200,000. Carl Lawson and John Miller also full participants in practice today, which is a good sign to get them back into the lineup as they are potential impact players at their respective positions. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. MyBookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff if by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today to play so you win and get paid. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night. 
even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It is Mailbag Wednesday, and I am amped up this week, Jake. It's hump day, and I've got one more day left of work tomorrow, or as you're listening to this now, I'm probably be halfway done through my shift. I am pumped. Jake, can you feel it? Can you hear it in my voice? I can. Mailbag Wednesday. Mailbag Wednesday. Kicking it off. Mailbag Wednesday. Kicking it off. (laughs) This first one's from Kevin Brown. Try to put yourself in management's head. From that perspective, what are they trying to do? How do they not see what we see? I think to some degree they do see what we see because it's just too blatantly obvious, right, for them not to be aware that they're a bad football team. On the other hand, I think they do still think that they've got this core that was really good in 2015, and I think that that's misguided. But I think that because of that, they look at this roster and they see names like Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, Sam Hubbard, Carl Lawson, Jesse Bates, William Jackson, A.J. Green, Tyler Eifert, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, and they think, we've got all these guys. John Ross, throw them in there too. Why can't we win games? This roster, these guys are talented enough. And I think that's management's angle, right? Is they think that they are still close. And what they're failing to, I think, come to grips with is that five of those guys, I think, maybe four of the best of those guys are going into their third contract or already in their third contract. And it's just very hard at that point to build a successful team. There's two parts to this for me. Um, Number one is they're close to the team. They are the team, right? So we get an above perspective. We get a very, how do you say this? Uh, We don't know the players personally. We just see performance. Yeah, detached, you're right. We just see performance, good, bad. Are they good enough or are they not good enough? When we look at Bobby Hart, we say we would not sign Bobby Hart. They know Bobby Hart. They've talked to Bobby Hart. They see how he feels. They see what kind of person he is. Those may be qualities that they like, and they and that make him they make them believe he can be better than what he has shown. For us to not have that information is actually a benefit here because we just say, listen, he's not good enough. He's never shown to be good enough. We would not touch him. But they look and they say, well, we know Geno Atkins is still a good player. We know A.J. Green is still a good player. Uh, they kind of made the decision on Dalton, so they were kind of with us in that. Uh, but I think when they're kind of like a, a large portion of the fan base. When you talk to them four weeks ago or so, I'm talking about the fans, and you said, how about trade this guy? How about trade that guy? A lot of them were very, like, at first, like, no, what do you mean? You can't trade Geno Atkins. You can't trade A.J. Green. You can't trade whoever. Name Joe Mixon. You got a, a different uh, mixed bag from people. And I think the Bengals are like that. It's hard to let go 
talent that you believe is still there and that maybe you're not getting the best value of or you're or you're wasting it. It's kind of like, you know, I don't want to waste any money. So I try to eat the leftovers, even though they don't taste that good. I'm going to eat them because I'm not going to waste any money. I feel like the Bengals are kind of operating that way. They're still going to use these guys and use them up for the last two or three years on their deal even if it's probably in the best interest to completely hit the button and start it over. That's just such a bad analogy. Like, it's a great analogy because I think that that's exactly what the Bengals are doing. But it's just like that is so far away from how successful NFL teams operate. And we've talked about that a lot, so we don't need to get into it too much. Our next question comes from Carlos Andre. What do you guys think is Tate's ceiling? Do you think he can be a good wide receiver one? Or does his lack of speed make this unlikely at best? And I think he starts to answer his own question there. He does. And we're talking about Auden Tate, obviously. Um, wide receiver one is different, I think, to a lot of people. I know what it means for me. Uh, looking at Mike Sando at The Athletic had a piece where he was basically going, what other personnel people see as a number one. So I think around the league and for a lot of evaluators, it is a guy that can line up at any position, run any route, beat double coverage, be that guy you can go to on third down no matter what, and a guy you can just feed 10-plus targets to every single game at, in all areas of the field. I don't think Tate is that. And I say that because he still has some development as a route runner. I think that's his biggest weakness right now in terms of the technical aspect of it. So he needs to get much better there, and he can. The only thing that may limit him is that he's not a great athlete. So you have to be very, very good as a route runner. I think at best, if we're looking at him, you want a comparison of of what type of number one, if he was able to reach that maximum peak, would be a Marcus Colston type for the Saints. And Colston had Drew Brees throwing to him. Colston had a, a very good stretch of four or five years where he was pretty good possession red zone receiver and and he played a lot of the in the slot too because you're not facing those guys on the boundary one-on-one as much so I don't think Tate's ever going to get that chance in the slot unless he becomes a dominant route runner and something happens with Tyler Boyd so it's tough I think if all the receivers are healthy Tate's the number four as of right now I think you just got to go get him a Drew Brees to throw in the ball and then everything works out you get him a Drew Brees and all these guys look fantastic I think I think they have talent Especially in, a, in an offense that's very wide receiver friendly. Yeah, for sure. Next question is from Dean at DD Merritt. AJ's future contract dominates the conversation. But what about Trey Hopkins? I think he needs to be locked up as soon as possible. What would that contract look like for him? So the thing about Trey Hopkins and projecting his contract is that as an undrafted free agent, not many guys have the success that he's had. And this year, according to PFF, he is a top 10 center. You look at the top 10 centers in the NFL right now, and the lowest average annual value on a contract that I see is about $8 million, and that's Jason Kelsey, who's 31 playing in Philadelphia, one of the best centers in the league. At least he has been. And then you look at some of the other guys in this list. Ryan Jensen, who is a free agent, I believe, went to Tampa mm-hmm. Bay, $10.5 million. Mitch Morse went to Buffalo, $11.125 million. So there are some guys that if, they, if, if Trey Hopkins were to hit the open market and teams see him truly as a top 10 center the way PFF does, and centers haven't been very good this year according to PFF across the league, then Trey Hopkins is probably commanding a roughly four-year, $40 million or so deal. But I think Joe kind of hinted at this before we started recording. Trey Hopkins, as an undrafted free agent, there's some variables in play there that could lead to him being a little bit cheaper if the Bengals can retain him. So say the Bengals offer him a deal just like Jason Kelsey 
give him three, four years at eight million a year, might get the deal done. Yeah, I think that's about right, especially because uh, they signed him to a, a you know one year extension this year. I think they could easily get him under contract. He seems like they're starting to push him towards the forefront of one of the spokesmen of the team, one of the leaders. You see him talking all the time in the locker room to media. He spoke with us. I think Hopkins would like to stay. They've kind of slow cooked him over these years, and now they should get the benefit of it. I think if they offered him uh, a deal, and I've been told that they have laid the groundwork and have been talking with him, so this doesn't seem too crazy. I think this is something that gets done. I think there's mutual interest there. Trey Hawkins, like you said, the team gave him a chance. He is just so good with the media. He's just a loquacious dude, happy to talk with people, really enjoyed talking to him on the podcast. I would love for them to bring him back for not only that reason, but he's a good player too. Good player, good person, checks all the boxes, sign him up. I agree with you. I think that they should absolutely bring him back. Next question comes from Evan Parker. We've got a lot of questions today about Ryan Finley, Joe. And Evan asks, if Finley does well for a solid eight games, should the Bengals keep him and draft Chase Young instead of a QB? Did you like enough of what you saw in the preseason from him to give you an opinion here? I did like, I'll start with that. I did like what I saw from Finley. I think we all did. Uh, He was limited. He didn't test his arm too much. Uh, especially in terms of velocity. I think deep, there was no problem with him. He could have connected, I think, with Damian Willis a couple times, and uh, things got weird, especially with one penalty. But uh, he was very efficient. He threw with pressure in his face. He threw around defenders. That Remember, if we start talking about tip passes in that Redskins game uh, for Andy Dalton, and then Finley had a couple where he gets it around defenders. And I said, man, that's a quite a difference. I didn't know we, it would be a theme all year with Dalton. So that could be helpful, especially in the screen game. But he stood in the pocket. He moved in the pocket. And I think those skills could translate Uh, I've got a little question for you though Uh, here's a player that started eight games at quarterback he went four and four okay so would we take four and four 61.2 percent completions he passed at 7.4 yards per attempt had 13 passing touchdowns four interceptions this equates to a 92.8 quarterback rating this guy was a rookie and was just benched for Nick Foles I'm talking about Gardner Minshew if Ryan Finley put that up I think a lot of Bengals fans would be like, this is our guy. Um, but I would say don't bite the cheese, and, and that's still just raw numbers there. I want more to pass up a top quarterback. Absolutely. None of those numbers. And there is no number that would sell me on Ryan Evaluation, Finley. right? Unless he's out there and he's putting up video game numbers like Patrick Mahomes. If he's putting up 10 yards per attempt, completing 75% of his passes, puts up – you know, 2,500 yards and 25 touchdowns in eight games, sure. So then, like elite stuff. Yeah, then you can't deny the production, right? But if he's out there and putting up numbers like Gardner Minshew, 93 is not a good quarterback rating anymore. It's average. That it's, is the league average right now. Yeah, absolutely average. And I will just be so sad if they pass on a potential – you know, if it's Burrow, if it's Tua, whoever your guy is, maybe you're still a Herbert guy or girl. If they pass on one of those quarterbacks to keep an average guy, I'm just, I'm not here for more purgatory. I'm just, I'm over it. I'm with it completely. I, like these numbers, people would say, for a rookie, fourth rounder, he's only going to get better. Not and true. We'll be, you're right. And that, number one, not true. Progression is not linear. 
Number two, he'd be 25 by the time these stats ended, and we'd be back at square one defending and fighting these people off, I think. I, I think, and, and more than numbers. Like, these numbers, people would look at them, and they would, they would top them, and, and they'd be shouting them at you every chance you, you turn talking about Ryan Finley. Um, but I think the Jags are, you got to look at it from Jags' perspective. They invested in this in Nick Foles. They put all this money in him. They kind of need to make sure he's not the guy. It's kind of the situation the Bengals are in. It, the Bengals would be sitting there with a top five pick, maybe if not if they win four of these games, maybe. Uh, and and they'd be saying, okay, the investment opportunity is here. And also, if they win four games, they're probably not getting Chase Young anyways. But the but in terms of drafting a quarterback, the investment opportunity there to have something great rather than someone average. Uh, would outweigh it and tip the scales, in my opinion. At the most important position in sports, let's just hammer that into your heads. Quarterback is about 30 times as important as defensive end, and I made that up, but it's probably not that far off. We've got a bunch more of your questions to get to. Thank you all for sending them in. We appreciate them every week. This is both of our favorite episodes to do. We hope you enjoy it too. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The next question is from Tyler Crow at that Tyler Crow. So he's that guy. What would be the move from the Bengals organization that makes you as a fan say, screw this, I'm out of here? He's wearing a ref jersey. You think mm. it's a Halloween costume or do you think he's like refing a kid's game or something? He looks like he's refing a wrestling match. All right. That doesn't look like it. Look at the lights. It's very hard for me to tell what's happening in that picture. Oh, I bet he's going to reply and say it was a wrestling match. You're right. I'm sure he will. What would be the move that makes me say I'm out of here? Losing AJ Green in free agency for nothing. I, mean, I think that would push a lot of people. Right after Wit. Yeah, that would be pretty brutal. After they didn't trade him. Right. Honestly, if nothing has done it to this point. Right, I know. <laughs> I mean, like, it could have been re-signing Bobby Hart for $7 million a year. It could have been, for for me personally, it could have been hiring Jim Turner. It could have been, you know, not trading A.J. Green or, or if they don't re-sign him, right? So it could be that. If they, if they somehow come out of the season and end up extending Dalton, I'm out, I think, at least for, like, five years. You know it could do it also? It could be a string of things because they're riding a really bumpy road over the last three years, right, going downhill. Yeah. Say they lose A.J. Green in free agency, and they're like, oh, shucks, we thought we had him. You know, same story with Whitworth. And then this is a result of them winning three games over this final stretch. They're not picking top three. Mm-hmm. They don't get Young. They don't yeah. get Burrow. They don't get Tua. And they draft an offensive lineman because we haven't tried that yet. I yeah. think I could sit there and go, you know what? What am I even doing with my Sundays? Yeah. I, and it's hard not to question it, right? Like, and it's also, please continue to listen to this podcast while we talk right. about this yeah. team. 
But honestly, I, I feel like if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Just the way this season is gone after the last few seasons, like they hit the reset button on Marvin Lewis. It took them a little bit too long to do so. And, and this is what they've produced. And it's worse. And it's much worse. It's despondently worse. So it's hard to say what that bright line is going to be. It's hard to say if we've already passed it and I just don't know it yet, to be sure. honest. We could look back at something and say, man, that was it, huh? Yeah, hiring Zach Taylor, that was it. Or, I mean, I hope that's not it, but it could be. Right. Because right. you already see less fans at the game, less fans clicking on clicking on articles, listening to the podcast, whatever it may be. Um, and maybe they roll back around when things get exciting again, as they do, but maybe not. I mean, the Bengals had to go a long way to recover from the 90s and start selling at that stadium. And even when they were going to the playoffs in 2015, I don't think they were selling out every game. And and now they're they're going to be, uh, I think, as Richard Skinner pointed out in a fantastic piece when he's like, tell us who's in charge. Have some right. accountability, right? He he asked to talk to Duke Tobin, was told Duke doesn't talk to the media during during the season. That's crazy. I, I mean, thought the same thing over the last couple of weeks. I've been in my car monologuing to myself, like, where the hell is Duke Tobin? Good on Richard Skinner, though. Oh, yeah. Credit. But... I mean, yeah, let's just move on, right? But it's it's hard, right? It's just it's hard right now. I think we've answered the next two questions here. One is, does anything even matter? And I think we've answered that. No, we don't know if it does or anything or what. Or is this life? Is this football? I'm with you. Does anything even matter? You don't even have to put a question mark there. There's, or, a, there's a great article on the Internet. If you just look up, it was, a, it was on The Atlantic, I think, and it was about – how free will doesn't exist, but we're better off believing it exists. Oh. I found it to be very compelling. Uh, so if you want to get into, does anything even matter? You want to get philosophical, have some existential thoughts on your Thursday, whatever. Go, go Google the Atlantic. Is free, does free will exist? And the Atlantic is not the athletic, although I get that confused all the time from people. And then, so the next question is from Tyler Lindsay, who asks questions all the time. Tyler, thank you again. Uh, does it make me a bad fan for wishing we end up with the worst record? Should I feel guilty? No. And here's the thing is you shouldn't feel bad no matter how you're a fan. Don't let – and I feel like we've all made this mistake. Don't let other people tell you how to be a fan. Right. It's a personal decision. It – as we just discussed, does not matter. You probably don't have a choice, as the Atlantic would argue. And it's just it's a shitty move to make people feel bad for the way they're rooting for a team. If you want them to lose the rest of their games, your specific reasoning for that is probably that Mike Brown needs to be taught a lesson, and I want the first overall pick so that this team can get better in the future. If you want the team to win games, your reasoning is probably that you want your favorite team to win games. Right. Neither of those are wrong. And y'all arguing about it out there on the internet are just, I mean, stop. Stop telling each other what to do. And as right. I tell you what to do. Yeah, right. It doesn't have to be a toxic atmosphere. It, when you step back and look at it, what's the best thing about being a Bengals fan? For me, it's the community and people and fans. Because 
there's not a lot fun going on with the actual team. I mean, it's hanging out with you guys, talking to you guys, shooting the shit, making jokes, enjoying each, each other's company, and watching the same team, and watching them either rooting for them, laughing at them, making jokes, crying together, if, because that does happen, I guess. I'm thinking of 2015 flashes in my head as I say that. But point being is having fun together, no gatekeeping here. Whatever gets you through the Sunday, do that shit. And listen to the Locked On Bengals podcast. I told you what to do twice after I told you not to tell people what to do. What's our next question? Where are we here? Stan. Stan. First time, long time. Welcome, Stan. If you had to pick between these two scenarios, Joe, what would you prefer? Cam Newton and Chase Young or Burrow or Tua? So you're asking if sign Cam Newton, draft Chase Young. Mm -hmm. I think that would put this... 30-year-old core, and you're adding Cam to that, uh, and put them in a position where they feel like they can compete, you feel like Cam's healthy, you feel like you can go out there and and you can do some things. I wouldn't be mad at that idea. I think there's some merit to that. I also, on the other hand, say, well, I'm not sure this core can compete to the level we want. I still would think, even with a slightly better quarterback, if healthy, I'm not sure that swings the tide, you know, in terms of going 0-8 to being a Super Bowl team. So I still think they would have to evaluate that and look at these two quarterbacks and say, the window isn't next year because that's been their issue. The window is four years from now. Or two years from now. Turnaround sure. in the NFL can be much faster than four years. Sure, they, but the, if you do Cam, you're probably looking at, and because he's been unhealthy, you're probably looking at, exactly. is he good for two years? Let's hope. Is he good for one year? We'll hope you're kind of going year by year with him. That's the issue with plan A. If if Cam Newton didn't have the health questions, then you feel a lot better about it. But his arm is just a shell of what it used to be. And so it's athleticism. Yeah, and so, you know, he's lost a lot of his weapons and a lot of what made him a good quarterback. So that really takes me off of that plan. I just have too many questions around his health and his physical tools diminishing to feel good about going with him at quarterback. And the bad thing about that would be, say you do come out, he's healthy, he's playing, you start off, let's be modest and say four and three, he goes down, he's hurt. You win a couple games with Finley, you're picking 10 through 16 and not in position to get a quarterback. And they've been there. You you never can convince yourself to take that guy because he's a far lesser of a prospect. And you're in that cycle again, and you're wasting your, your core of Green Atkins again. And... I'm not ready to do that right now, or at least that's worst case scenario, obviously. And worst case seems to play out for the Bengals a bunch. You can only do again so many times before there's no more against to be had. And that goes back to the question of, you know, what what's what's going to break the camel's back? The next question we have, though, comes from Hummus138. What is it that makes Price's performance so different than what was thought he could do when he was drafted? So you're asking the wrong guy here because I wasn't big on Billy Price. I actually listened to last year's Lockdown Bengals podcast when James Rapine was hosting, and he brought me on for like the final quarterback talk, and we talked about scenarios, and he said, would you rather have this guy, that guy, yada, yada. We talked about Billy Price, and I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he went closer to the third round, their third round pick, than their pick at 21 because he was hurt, because I thought he was the third best center of the group. I thought there were some guards that were better than him. So for me, I thought Pat Elfline, who went to the Vikings in round three, that was his comparable. Mm -hmm. And Elfline's been 
okay. He's a struggle at times. Uh, the, the Vikings have needed to add a, lo- a lot of offensive line help, and they have. But I think when you look at Price and you say, okay, what is he? What should he be good at? Uh, the one thing that was touted all the time was like leadership, uh, mental ability. He was durable, 55 straight starts. Well, none of that has been the case. Uh, you know, if anything, he's been shaky and unconfident. He's been injured. Uh, he's had to move positions. He's lost battles at both center and left guard, regained left guard this year, but he did lose for a little bit there. And then from a physical talent standpoint, he's got short arms. He's got some tightness. He is an ex- linear explosive, but not laterally. So some of the zone running stuff, he's not going to be great at. He's going to be a little slow getting off, climbing to the second level. But he's strong. He's tough. He'll fight through blocks. He's a run blocker, uh, first and foremost. And I think he's at least flashed that sometimes. But in pass pro, he can get over-aggressive with those short arms and his tightness. And he lunges, and he gets beat on swim moves and finesse moves. And it, this was true at Ohio State. I wrote it in his, in his report. Um, and it's continued. His weaknesses are now magnified with none of the strengths magnified. And I think when you have that, you're getting the worst version of him. And I don't think that's him, or it doesn't have to be him, but that's what we're getting right now. Yeah, I think Billy Price can be a better player than he's been to this point, but he's always going to have some of those limitations. When I talked to him when I went to Paul Brown Stadium in training camp, I thought he was an extremely smart guy. So I think the mental side is still there, and it's just, like you said, the lunging, the stiffness shows up. And, and when I when I meant mental, I don't mean I wasn't even speaking intelligence. I mean he's had bonehead kind of mistakes, a lot of penalties and things like that. Yeah, and I, I yeah, that doesn't necessarily reflect intelligence, like like you said. So I, I think that he has wherewithal to to get it done. I think he's very aware of of who he is as a player, and it's just a matter of finding the right marriage of coach position and and headspace. And I think you know the turf toe injury and just the coaching changes just did not go well for him in this offseason. Yeah, it wasn't a great mix. So uh, we'll move on and we'll kind of mix these two questions. One's from Fong Hawk and one is from Brandon Kuhn. Shout out to Brandon Kuhn who sent me a Bengals brain hat this uh, this season, which I wear all the time. Anyways, mixing these two together, I think they go together. One from Brandon. If you were placed in the role of GM, what would your first three moves be? And then Fong asks, Quickest way for this team to get back in the playoffs, which I think these are married together. Well, for one, I'm extending AJ Green because at this point, you really have to, right? I'm probably trading Dalton and I'm signing Corey Littleton or Blake Martinez at linebacker. And I'm that's three things. And I'm also signing a right tackle and cutting Bobby Hart and cutting Preston Brown because that frees up a ton of money. And now I can go. Mm-hmm overspend on a couple of guys that I really like and and Corey Littleton the linebacker for the Rams I think he's a good coverage linebacker they don't need any more box guys I think that he could be a good fit I think Blake Martinez is a very good well-rounded linebacker for the Packers he's an unrestricted free agent I think he probably resigns in Green Bay but if he does hit free agency I would certainly pursue him as well because he's a very solid player and then I'm drafting to a sure if I can. Right. Or I'm trading up to draft Tua. Right. Or Burrow. I get that. And for me, uh, it's not more of moves. It is, number one, I'd say, okay, we are we are draft-centric. We're focused on the draft. That's how we build. 
I need more scouts. I need more available tools. I need more available resources. I need more people around me I can trust and people that can evaluate football yeah, talent. For sure. Um, you know, and and not be so be a little, little detached as we started the show with, right? And from there, I would say, okay, we got that. I need to secure cash, guaranteed money and that I can throw at free agents. You can't just say, you know, I, I got to feel comfortable with what I'm working with as the GM. How much money can I spend? How much do we have? What Are there any limitations here? Is there anything limiting us that I have to play within a sandbox and get a little creative with? I can do it, but you, I need to be very understanding and very clear of it. And maybe Duke Tobin is, and that's why we don't see anything, but I would need to be stepping into that because I don't know what they're working with. It doesn't seem like a lot. And then You're number limited. three, yeah. You I don't know. have you don't have any money. You... Well, if I'm taking this job, that's I, I'm not taking it unless they – I mean, I, me personally, I'm taking it, but I'm not, I would love to, to know what I'm working with in terms of cash. You're allowed to spend $5. Thanks. Okay. Dollar menu there. All right. Last would be, uh, I'm taking a little bit of control of the coaching staff and I'm fine with Turner. I mean, not Turner, Taylor. I was going to say, we got to get Turner out of here. Jim Turner's gone. Um, and I'd start looking at some other positions too, and try and get more coaching in here. Um, reset the floor and tell them, you know, what we're doing and changes managerial wise in terms of scouting staff, cash flow for free agents. You won't have to scout. You know, there's some coaches that turn it down because they don't want to have to scout as much as they do. And and so I, I want to open the floor for everyone who's interested in a real NFL organizational job. So I know these aren't exact moves, but they start, they set the floor, the foundation for the correct moves to take place later. And from there, added in there, I'm drafting a quarterback with our highest pick. Yeah, and I would have continued to get to all the things you said if I had more than three things I could do. And if I could, you know, I, I thought about this as football moves, obviously, right? But And I, you're fine. I think that gives both perspectives. Well, I think you just do both things, right? Oh, yeah. Do you disagree One with any of my moves? One can't happen without the other. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I think you can't even get there unless we are f- for sure on the other ones. And I think the big thing, just to wrap this up, is in – Adding scouts, it's also self-scouting because the Bengals are so, so bad at this, I think. Or, I think so too. Or they're just like stuck in the 80s as far as how to team build. So maybe they're getting the word that like, hey, we're 30 at these positions. We should, And then ownership or whoever's making the decisions is like, ah, you know what? They're good players. Yeah. And it's just or so I don't believe you or I don't, you know, yeah. I trust my guy. Whatever the case is there, nepotism is strong in the NFL and football. And I think it even flows with their players. And that's not just a Bengals problem, to be clear. Right. And I think that that's what you were saying. This is a problem across the league. Guys hire people they're familiar with. They bring in players they're familiar with. But it more often than not, outside of New England, at least seems to crash and burn a lot of places in the NFL. That's going to do it for the mailbag today. We will be back tomorrow. I'm going to Florida tomorrow night, but we'll be back tomorrow nonetheless to talk a little bit more about the Ravens game. We'll find out at least one more day's worth of practices of AJ Green is going to be able to play. So until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.